Welcome back to Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse. We just wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Stability Healthcare, a travel nursing agency that prides themselves in providing rate and location transparency and unparalleled support. And with their support, we are going to bring you loads of new stress relief seasons, as well as pretty cool interviews with the mental health advocates of the world. Today, I'm here with my co-host, Shannon, of course, and we are very excited to interview our first mental health advocate, Tiara Scobie. Tiara is a well-known and talented Canadian actress who also happens to have a passion for mental health, and we are so excited to have her here and hopefully just sit down and have a really raw and unfiltered discussion about all things mental health. So thank you again, Tiara, for taking the time to speak with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So obviously we have spoken about mental health and the healthcare profession before, and we had that whole conversation with you and the nurses cast about kind of what's going on in the healthcare field. But where did your mental health journey begin? What led to your passion in mental health? I mean, I think for me, so I, I grew up um, in Vancouver. I grew up acting and mental health and talking about anxiety or anything around that just it just didn't really come up for me much in my life or growing up um it, nobody in my family really suffered from any type of mental health and my my grandmother did but that wasn't until i went through my own journey that i started kind of talking to her and exploring that but um about 3 years ago i went into a pretty deep spiral of anxiety that at the time I hadn't, it, it came out of nowhere. Everything in my life was going really well. I, you know, I was succeeding in my field and I was doing, you know, getting lots of good acting roles. I was in a good relationship. I was healthy. I was traveling like everything on paper seemed like it was going in the right direction. And I just fell into this spiral of anxiety that I couldn't get out of. I was, you know, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't function. I couldn't do the things that I had done. I was, have really bad social anxiety and it and for me my journey kind of started in that point of like all of a sudden being thrown into this really kind of dark time and having to kind of figure out my way and my my footing and how to how to overcome that and how to live in this you know world as somebody who now deals with anxiety um and kind of find my way out of it and for me it you know the biggest thing was I, I felt so alone and then because I had never talked about it I just wanted to talk to it about anybody who had experienced it because like anything I was like okay well you feel this way so what do you do or like who should I talk to what should I do what should I cut out what do I need to know I just wanted to educate myself as much as possible on what what is what is this thing that that is happening? Why, why where did it come from? Why is my brain doing this? Um, so that's kind of where it started. Um, and like you know, thankfully I've I've come out of that initial anxiety spiral. But it is something that I, you know I deal with on a daily basis, and I know is something that lives inside me. Um, and just like I've really learned how to you know deal with it and cope with it, and, and um, have it not control my life anymore. Do you think that there was one thing that triggered this anxiety spiral or do you think it was a gradual process? I think it was funny. It, it wasn't, I was, you know, I talked to multiple therapists. I talked to my family doctor. I, you know, I was kind of doing all the things that you do to kind of figure it out. And it, it, I think one of the biggest things I realized 
was, it wasn't talking to any of those people. It was talking to my acting coach who I've been with for the last five years. Um, and she kind of brought up, she was like, sometimes anxiety doesn't necessarily come up because something bad is happening. Sometimes it can be triggered by good things happening in your life. And I think for me, I have such an overactive brain and everything in my life at that time was going well. And I kept waiting for like the bottom to drop out. I was like, well, if everything's going well, then what, what's going to compromise? What's going to slip? Like if this is happening good for me, is somebody else going to pay for it? Like karmically in my head, like I had this weird fear that because everything was going well, something disaster, something bad must come of it. I also think that at the time I was filming two TV shows. I was flying in and out of uh, Vancouver, flying to LA. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't like doing any of the things that you should be doing to like keep that in check. And because it was never a conversation, mental health and how to care for yourself and your mental health was never a conversation growing up for me. It wasn't in school, wasn't in my family wasn't any of my friends or anything that I had really seen. And so I was just like spreading myself so thin and I just hit a breaking point. So I think it was a bit of a combination of those, you know, those two things. And I, at the time I was engaged and in a relationship that I don't, I now looking back, I know I wasn't ready for, I'm no longer with that person. I never came to as it should in, in, on very good terms, but I was planning a wedding that I knew I wasn't ready for. And so I think that also planned, played you know a big part in that if I wasn't honoring myself I wasn't taking care of myself but on paper everything seemed good and I was just waiting for it all to fall apart so is your anxiety would you say more social or is it kind of more situational like every day and generalized anxiety I think anxiety is for for me it's 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 kind of an everyday thing and it kind of is it's it's one of those things where it's like I wish I would I could be like, yeah, it is just social. But some days I'll be hanging out in a social situation. I'll be totally fine. And then other days I'll be like, I don't want to go. I must stay in my bed. Um, <laughs> and it's just like a really, it's just like a really weird um, thing. But I, I've become quite aware of it. And I like, I know my triggers. And, and like I said, like if it's something like, I was like, oh, well, I haven't slept properly today I've had way too much caffeine I've really been taking care of myself like of course I'm going to feel more anxious than I would had I not done those things and so for me I know what the kind of things are going to trigger I know what I have to do to like keep myself in the right mindset and you know sometimes even still doing all the right things I'll still just have crappy days where I'm like I'm just overthinking everything I'm stressed out I'm overanalyzing everything everybody says to me and I'm just in my head and there's nothing I can do about it I just have to accept that that is just it's just something that I live with and I, and I, I learned to cope with it and, and not let it so much run every, you know, every day. Um, but it is very much situational and just something that I know kind of hangs out with me, <laughs> hangs out with me as I go through my days in my life. <laughs> Best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I totally feel the whole when everything good is happening thing where you're like, okay, well, when is, when is this going to yeah. change? You know, my life can't stay this good for a while. What is, and that's kind of a sad thing. You know, you think back, you're like, that was a good period of time in my life. Why did I have to taint it by just waiting for something bad yeah. to happen? It's kind of the whole process of just living for the moment thing, you know, accepting when things are good and being happy about it because otherwise it does kind of 
taint those good things when you look yeah. back on it, which is, is a bummer. And I read this book. Um, it was pretty much, it was called the midnight library and it was phenomenal. So if anyone needs a book to read, it's so good, but essentially in it, they talk about how you can't have good without having bad. And I think that's kind of the thought process, right? You're like, well, everything's mm-hmm. good. And, but eventually something's yeah. going to be bad. And that kind of triggers anxiety that might not need to be there. Yeah. I think like for people, I think for people who are prone to anxiety and like overthinking thoughts, the like self-sabotaging nature of like, well, I'm just going to make it bad now so that I don't have to like feel the downfall. Like if I'm already prepared for it, if I'm all, if it's already there, I've already ruined the good by stressing out about it. Then when it inevitably does come crashing down in our, you know, overthinking minds, I've already, I'm, I've already, I've already done it to myself. So it's, it can't be that bad. Um, but it is, you know, it is something, you know, when you become aware of it, and you're able to like recognize that you're having these thoughts and like push yourself back to like, oh, I have to be, I, ha- I have to live in this moment. Like I have to allow myself to be happy and enjoy the good um, and not, you know, let the, the overthinking brain take that away from me. <laughs> Right. I know. I just got back from visiting my family on Indiana and I just had that thought too, because I hate flying. It's like one of my biggest fears, even though I want to travel. So it's like one of those full circle things. But same thing. I was like at home and I just kept thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to fly in like three days. But I just wanted to be there with my family and like enjoy every second. But the back of my mind was like thinking about traveling and packing, just doing all those things to bring me anxiety. So it's like, I've been trying to be more present focused, but I'm just such a future focused person that it's been hard, but we're working on it. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a journey. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's for sure. Well, I wanted to ask you how you kind of got to the point to identify your triggers because I know a lot of people have trouble finding that and really getting to the point to understanding your mental health and understanding your anxiety and how to kind of cope with it. I know I haven't perfectly figured it out. It's a journey that I'm working on. So where did you, how did you start analyzing and understanding exactly what your anxiety was and the triggers that you had so that you could better cope and better handle it? Yeah. Um, I think so. Like I said at the beginning, I kind of, I think as I look back more on my life, I realize that anxiety is something that I've kind of dealt with my whole life, just on different scales. Um, and maybe something that I, at times I was much more able to kind of brush off or distract myself from, or, you know, not really accept like what it was. And then three years ago when I, I was, you know, hit by this like quick rippling bout of anxiety anxiety my my therapist calls it the anxiety spiral of hell because it feels like you're never going to get out of it and then the anxiety of feeling like you're never going to get out of it causes you to have anxiety Mm -hmm. and so it's just like this vicious cycle that you're like oh my god i'm gonna be here forever um (laughs) this is my new home yeah i live here now (laughs) um and so i i I'm a very proactive person. You know, anytime there's been a problem in my life or like the people that I love's life, I'm like, I need a solution and I need it yesterday. And so I very much, I went about, I like listen to podcasts, watch movies, write books. Like I was like so proactive. I like immediately got a therapist. I also am like very into just like health and wellness stuff as well. And I was like, maybe there's something going on in my body because 
there are a lot of things that can happen in your body that can cause anxiety symptoms to come up. And I was like, maybe I have an overactive thyroid. Maybe there's something going on. So I like went to my family doctor and I was like, I want all these blood tests. Um, <laughs> and I just was like, I, I was like very proactive of figuring out like, why do I feel this way? Because it's hard to wake up in the morning. It's hard to do the things that I love. I don't want to eat. I don't want to sleep. I don't enjoy. I, do, I didn't enjoy life. I was, I was in such a dark place that I was like, this, this is not me. I do not want to feel this way forever. How do I fix it? And so, you know, through and, and probably like thrusting myself into it in such an aggressive way, probably wasn't a super healthy way either, but I, I, I was happy that I didn't just sit on it. Yeah. Um, one of the very first things I did was I got a therapist and I, I actually went to about three before I went with the therapist that I still with and she's wonderful. I should talk to her this morning. Um, <laughs> she's lovely and fantastic and has helped me so much. Um, so therapy was like a huge one, just like understanding my brain and like what, you know, where it's coming from. Um, and then, you know, like the very like fundamental things of like how to take care of yourself, which I don't think I was, I know I wasn't doing, but I also know I wasn't properly taught, like mm-hmm. wasn't getting enough sleep exercising is like a huge release um if you're holding like any tension and get yourself out of that headspace i cut out caffeine right away um and i just like i force myself to slow down and just like not go 100 miles a minute and so those were you know some of the biggest things for me and like i i I learned because i i had quite frequent panic attacks so i also learned how to like immediate ways to cope with that so that I wasn't constantly afraid that panic attack was going to happen because I knew as soon as it came up, like, okay, I know what to do to make this, to stop this, like, in its tracks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I think creating some kind of, like, routine and rhythm or, and even just little things to implement in your daily life. Like, for me, if I'm out and I do have a really busy day or I'm on set and I feel that anxiety come up, I'm like, okay, if it's getting really bad, I'll just text my therapist to make an appointment. And even just the action of doing that, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm making a step towards helping myself or I'll have like a meditation app on my phone and I'll just be like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, like five minutes in the bathroom, headphones in like a quick little, like just even just a, like a reset or a check-in or like having a friend that you can be like, Hey, I'm having a shit day. I don't need to solve this or anything, but I just needed to tell somebody Mm -hmm. makes like, even just like saying it out loud kind of takes the power out of it in a way yeah so just like little things that like I learned to do yeah like it doesn't control you exactly yeah yeah I love that I mean I know for me a few weeks ago I coffee has turned into my enemy which is just such a bummer I did have some this morning but I drank it before I went to night shift and I think I had too much because I went into such an anxious headspace I was coming up with crap that there was it's not true. I thought Brandon, my boyfriend, was mad at me for no apparent reason, just because I was so anxious. I was coming up with stuff. And so that next morning, I sat there and I was like, well, okay, clearly I can't drink coffee before night shift or I have to limit it to two cups. Also, I should make a therapy appointment because there's clearly stuff maybe in the background Mm -hmm. that I'm anxious about and I have to work through and figure it out. So Luckily, my um, nursing job gives us eight free therapy sessions a year, which is pretty cool. So I have called them and I'm I made an appointment so that I could, you know, start working on stuff that is the reason that I'm 
getting anxious, you know, because I feel like sometimes there's underlying stuff too right, that's sitting there that may, yeah, oh, that you haven't even thought about or stuff that you might be stressed about that you haven't fully analyzed in your life, you know, maybe stuff that happened in your past that is creeping up. Totally. And that's just, that's kind of why I want to go see a therapist. So the way that you've said that you found one that really helped you, I think a lot of people after they meet one, if it does, if it's not a match, they'll oh, yeah. give up, but it's important to keep going until you find your person, your, your person, your therapist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's like a relationship because yeah. they're, they're going to be a big part of your journey for a long time. And I do also think there is something to say about like, like other relationships you can outgrow your therapist too like in a yeah. sense where you're like oh maybe i need to like have a different perspective or have someone ask me different types of questions and, mm-hmm. um but i definitely you know like when i was going through my really bad bout of anxiety there was a lot of things that i wasn't honoring for myself and i wasn't being truthful about and i i, I have a tendency towards being a people pleaser and so you know, I was leaving a lot of things unsaid so that I wasn't ruffling feathers and I wasn't honoring what I needed and what I wanted. And because of that, I was, you know, I I wasn't putting myself first and I was, and and I think it just, it built up too much. And I I just didn't, I didn't even know what I wanted or what was making me happy anymore. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see past what I was doing to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, you know, I've started to make in, in the last three years have been like a lot of changes and a lot of shifts and a lot of growth and a lot of really incredible moments, a lot of really hard moments, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm getting to a place now where I can almost see the other side of some of those really hard moments and be like, mm-hmm. I understand why that came up now and I'm stronger because of it. But then of course you have days where you're like, what have I done? Like, what is my life? Like, but everybody has those days. And I think another thing that has been the biggest contributor to my anxiety getting better is having conversations about it. Like I have had, had more conversations with people about anxiety that in the last three years than ever in my life. And it's like, you know, as soon as you talk about it, you take the stigma out of it. It just becomes this thing that's normal. And it, it, it and it feels like, you also realize how many other people feel the way that you do mm-hmm. and to be able to have those conversations and grow from each other and learn from each other is, um, has been a really big part of my healing as well. Yeah. That's what Shannon and I were talking about because this whole thing is she kind of started because well, I think one of the reasons I don't want to speak for you, but I know <laughs> last year with like COVID and everything, it's, we, uh, you know, it was really important to have the support of your coworkers. And I think a lot of us at first felt like, am I the only one like freaking out about this or is everyone else kind of feeling like scared for their lives? And then once you kind of realize that, you know, you're not alone and there are like everyone was going through it, then you kind of realize like, okay, I have support, like everything's gonna work out. Like we all have each other. So that was really nice. Yeah. Well, I was also kind of wondering based on what you were saying, Tiara, I, it almost kind of sounds like at the time that you were going through your significant anxiety that maybe on paper everything was perfect, but you weren't doing stuff for yourself necessarily, that things just seemed perfect because you were getting the jobs that you wanted and you did have that relationship. But sometimes it's almost like on paper isn't necessarily what you personally need. You know what I mean? Like with men too or women or whoever, like – 
sometimes if you, everything seems perfect on paper, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's perfect for you and your journey. So maybe part of it, and I could just be making this all up, but maybe part of it was because you weren't putting yourself first and your focus was on those around you and the successes and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. And like, I think a big thing that was really hard to come to terms with was because everything on paper looked so good. I felt very selfish being unhappy. I felt very selfish, like questioning what was happening in my life. And if I was happy and if I was getting what I needed, because, you know, and, and when I started initially to bring up that I was feeling, you know, unsettled or, or like there was an underlying feeling of like, Oh, this is like something doesn't feel right. And when the anxiety first starts to creep in, you know, it would get brushed off a lot of like, Oh, you're fine. You're just busy. Or like, Oh, but like, you have everything going for you. Like, look at your life. Anybody would die to have what you have. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that completely diminishes everything that I'm feeling. Yeah. And it's, but it's nobody's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it is one of those things where it's like, and it's been such an incredible reminder for me where like, don't judge a book by its cover because somebody, you can look at somebody walking down the street and they could look like they have their whole lives together or even worse. You look at somebody on social media and you see the highlight reel of their life mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, look at, they have it all together. They have a job, like family like yada 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 but they're like crumbling inside and I think it's like you have to remember that you never really know what's going on with somebody and just because something on paper looks good doesn't necessarily mean that it is or that it's right for them or that it's serving them that could be great for some people but not for others and you have to remember that like everybody's on their own kind of their own journey well that's why I also love your social media so much because you will post the, oh, this is what I'm doing on Instagram, but this is how I'm really feeling. Or you had one, um, I think it was a story thing where you were showing like pictures of how you were really feeling in that moment. And it was so authentic. And I love that because it shows that life isn't perfect. And although we sometimes show that our life is perfect on social media for everyone to see, like you said, we could be crumbling in that day, in that moment. And I think that is important to share because social media sometimes provides these unrealistic expectations of what Mm -hmm. your life should be, you know? Right. It's a lot of comparisons. Yeah, I think. And that's what I was going to ask you too, Tiara. Like, do you think being in the industry that you're in, like kind of exacerbated that anxiety? Oh, absolutely. I think like, you know, being in an industry that requires you to go through such constant rejection is, and comparison is one of the most like, challenging industries that you can be in for your mental health i think you know we're constantly being compared to everybody um we're constantly being told no 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 for like the one yes um and you know this industry definitely is hard i think for me the biggest thing that has like helped me deal with that is just like surrounding myself with really good people who i know at the end of the day no matter what are going to be the ones who are like remind me what's important and remind me like why why I matter and that that the industry is just one aspect of my life being an actor is just one part of who I am and it's a small part it's a big part but it's also a small part like I uh, my worth comes from so much more than just the shows that I'm on and the yeah you know the, the, the 
occupation that I hold. And that's something that I've been working a lot right now in the last little while. Um, is just like finding my worth outside of the things that I do and like the way that I look and the, the jobs that I have and the, the superficial things that, you know, you carry. It's like finding the worth for who you are. And I think, you know, the more we can find that. Um, but I think the, the, the industry is definitely like, can be a very tough place. And I think it's also, even for people who aren't in it, it can be quite toxic and tough. Mm -hmm. that's interesting because I never really thought about all the rejection right we always just see what you guys are in we don't see all the stuff that you tried for and didn't get so that honestly didn't even cross my mind and that would be so difficult for anyone to have to go through to have this talent and then to have people be like well yeah you're talented but sorry we're gonna have to go with someone else and you're sitting there and you are comparing yourself to the person who got it that's I never even thought of that and that is such a tough environment to be a part of especially because you started when you were young right like you were in the industry since you were young Yeah, since I was seven yeah that's hard yeah and it's one of those things where like growing up it was something that was just like it was just like fun like I started when I was seven and I had no I I was not comprehending what being on a commercial was like I just was like oh this is a fun thing to do and I was like the kid who like just was loud and didn't care about anything (laughs) and then you know, growing up in that industry, you kind of start to like notice like, oh, but like the girls who are getting the parts are wearing this or they look like this or, you know, they've done this and you start to, you know, compare yourself to everything. Growing up in that, you know, my parents were incredible and they never forced my sister and I to do anything, but just being in that industry inevitably put a lot of emphasis on, you know, and I can't speak to my sister, but I'm sure she feels, you know, a similar way, like it puts a lot of emphasis on like the externals of like who you are and mm-hmm. it's it's hard it's a really hard industry because they can be like yeah you're the best one for the role your talent's great but like it's a little too tall or your hair is too blonde or you're too this or you're too that and um you know that's why coming back to you know my worth is more than just what i do and how i look and, and those things is has been like a really and, and even like relationships, like I, uh, my worth doesn't depend on somebody else being in my life either. Um, so that's been like a very ongoing struggle. And I think that's why, like at the time I was yeah, successful and in a great relationship and like everything was happening, but like I had no idea what my worth was. I was just going about living this life and having these things. Um, and it was very overwhelming because I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know if even the jobs I was doing was making me happy or the relationship I was in was making me happy. And it, it, I had to really step back from everything and assess, like, what do I want? What makes me happy? Who am I? Uh, so, but still, like, not even yeah. remotely there figuring that out, but just, like, knowing that that's where I'm going. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> A seven-year-old intellectual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's interesting with what you just said too is like, especially growing up as tweens or teens or whatever, there's a lot of stuff that you look at yourself and you're like, I don't like this about myself. We're very hard. We're our big, like we're our biggest critics. And then to have someone potentially be like telling you something, the reason that you didn't get the part, maybe something that you personally view about yourself that's hard. That, that would be so difficult to get past, especially as a teenager or someone going through developmental stages, that sort of thing. So, I mean, props to you for being able to work on your mental health and get 
mostly out of it because I mean, that would be really tough for anyone to get through. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as a, as a, teenager and like growing up I I saw a lot of it but I I don't think I really knew like I was just like hyper confident was like oh everything's fine and I think into my like early 20s is kind of when everything caught up with me and I started like you know as a woman like in your early 20s your body starts to change you no longer look like a 17 year old anymore and like it happens quickly and for me there was like a lot of changes that were happening I was making a lot of adult decisions and then I realized I had been making a lot of adult decisions way too young. And um, I think, you know, in my early 20s, like when things really started to catch up with myself, and I could feel myself starting to like no longer just float and start to care about everything that was happening a bit more is when the anxiety started to come in because, you know, then I was aware of all the, the criticism that was coming my way and I could no longer just deflect it anymore things started to sink in a bit more would you say that um anxiety has been kind of your biggest hindrance in your life or is there anything else that you kind of deal with you don't mind talking about it of course i don't i i would i don't want to call it a hindrance because Mm -hmm. yes it is something that my my therapist made this analogy for me like really early on which i really love He's like, every month you get your period and you get cramps and you get a little cranky and body hurts and you're tired and you're grumpy and it sucks <laughs> and it's annoying. But every month it comes and every month it goes, it doesn't define you. People don't think you're any different because it happens to you. It's just a part of your life and it's annoying, but it is what it is. Like you don't give mm-hmm. it another thought. And so for me, she's like, just think of your anxiety and when it comes up as period cramps. As something that's just like part of your life, you live with it, comes up every once in a while, it's annoying, next day is different, you're fine, you move on. You have the tools, whether it's like period cramps, like a water bottle, some chocolate and friends, like on the TV on repeat, like whatever it may be. And for like anxiety, it's like, okay, I need to exercise, I need to, you know, do a meditation, I need to talk to somebody, I need to, you know, whatever it may be for you. It's the same kind of thing. You have the tools that come up and I think it has impacted my life in a hard way, but also in a, in a way that has made me stronger, but it also has connected me with people that I never thought I would have connected with before. Yeah. Um, and do I wish perhaps that we were connecting over something that wasn't hard and that a lot of the world is dealing with? Absolutely. But regardless, I made those connections. I've been able to have really informative wonderful conversations with people that have really shaped who I am and how I view the world and things. I think I am a hypersensitive person, um, but that makes me see the world in a very specific way. And I I wouldn't necessarily change that if I could. I've learned to deal with it, but I wouldn't change change it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that explanation. Yeah, it makes sense. And there's something beautiful, I think, about being vulnerable. Like, even, I mean, in nursing too, with like, we talk to strangers all the time and it's like, I just met you 10 minutes ago, but you're telling me your life story and we're having this connection. And yeah. I think, like you said, there's something beautiful about being sensitive and like having that ability to just kind of open up to anybody and everybody. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tiara, for joining us on this Mental Health Matters episode of uh, Happy Hour with Operation Happiness. Um, let's get chatting about mental health. Let's make it not taboo. And let's, you know 
talk about it. If you know anyone or want to hear anyone on this podcast, please let us know. If there's any stress relievers that you want to try out, please also let us know that. Dira, do you got any you think we should try? Um, I've started boxing, which I don't know has been the it has been the best therapy for me. Like just getting that like really releasing that tension, but also because it's summertime in Vancouver and it's so nice, just get outside, sit in the sun, put your feet in the grass. That is just like the most grounding thing that you can do. So like something really physical and then something really calm. Yeah. You need the balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Balance is key. Yeah. All right, deal. We'll tell our new produ- producer, Joe, send us boxing. Let's get her done. Yes. Um, and then, yeah. Thanks for coming on. And everyone, I hope you have a lovely day and let's chat soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys.